0: Murray, he breaks through, he fights off Antoine Bethea and goes in for a touchdown. First rushing touchdown of the season for the Minnesota Vikings. What's this block right here. Hello, hello, let's go. It's your man, Flip Mozzie, and thank you for spending 15 minutes with me today. We're here in the official NFL offseason. Trades being made, the combine just a few days away, free agency starts in three weeks. We have to take the next step in our offseason plan, identifying some targets to sign during free agency. The Vikings presented the full offensive coaching staff last week, so we'll go over some of those interviews. But first, we'll start with the silly, silly, silly idea that Antonio Brown would clearly be better for this offense than a solid left guard. We gotta step back. In general, I think we all agree on how to build a great team in the NFL. Top-tier quarterback, large arsenal of offensive weapons, cheap running backs, good tackles, elite edge rushers, strong group of defensive backs. Starting from scratch, we're all looking for the same things. The differences start when we apply the general blueprint to our specific situation, the Minnesota Vikings, what they are, where they've been, and where they're going. We have to take that into account. A lot changed on the offense from 2017 to 2018. Scheme changed both passing and running, new quarterback, new third receiver, and one of the main changes, two new offensive linemen. The Vikings had two solid offensive guards in 2017. They weren't anything special, but when they lost Nick Easton and Joe Berger, the offensive line went from average to bad. And going into 2017, after what we witnessed on the offensive line in 2016 with a putrid line, we should all know, realize, accept that improving the offensive line from bad to average has a big impact on the offense. A solid left guard gives you that improvement, and that shouldn't be overlooked. On top of that, we've had the pleasure of watching Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen grow into the best receiver duo in the NFL, and they still arguably aren't being maximized. To bring in Brown and push Diggs or Thielen to receiver three? <laughs> sure, Brown would improve the offense, but at the cost of limiting 14 or 19 to a 70-catch workload, hell no, that's four to five catches per game. One per quarter for Stephon Diggs, it's not maximizing what they have on offense. It would dramatically lessen the impact Brown had here compared to other teams. We all know the Vikings offense needs to become more well-rounded. You can do that without misusing your two best players. So that means improving receiver three behind them, not in front of them. And it's this team-centric thinking that makes left guard just as impactful as Antonio Brown. I really don't understand how you can look at the Vikings and think otherwise. I don't get why some envision Minnesota turning into some 3 deep aired out monster. That's not the path they're on. That's not how you maximize the players they have. That's exactly what didn't work in 2018. In this last 8-7-1 season, Minnesota had a great play-action quarterback and rarely used play-action. They had a dual-threat running back who they took off the field on third down. They took Stefan Diggs, a receiver who can win at multiple levels, and shortened his route tree. Stefan had the lowest yards per reception of his career. They converted an average right tackle into a terrible right guard. They had two offensive linemen who could win in space, but rarely called screen passes to put them in space. They threw to Laquan Treadwell three times a game. That's literally seven players the scheme used incorrectly. Seven. Fix that. No personnel move, whether it's an elite receiver or a move tight end or a solid left guard, will fix the offense like a good scheme will. The majority of Minnesota's changes will not be in the players, but in the scheme. Starts and ends with scheme in 2019. And what is that scheme? What will Kevin Stefanski's offense look like? Let's hit on some quick quotes from the press conferences. Quote, there's no secret amongst this staff, where we are, and what we're going to be moving forward. Gary Kubiak now, quote, The head guy here wants to be physical. He wants to be mentally and physically tough as a football team. I think that's where winning starts. Kubiak continues, quote, Every good offense I've ever been around runs the ball pretty good. I believe in that. I believe it gives you a chance to make big plays. The Vikings aren't going to win by changing who they are. They know who they are and aim to win by being the best version of themselves. So the offseason plan continues at guard. Last episode, we discussed what the Vikings should do with their 14 unrestricted free agents. We ended up keeping four of them, Nick Easton or Tom Compton, then Tom Johnson, Dan Bailey, and Trevor Simeon. I think those four will cost about $7.5 million in cap space next year. We have maybes on Sheldon Richardson and Anthony Barr. We'll revisit those two. The rest of the free agents, the current plan is they're not in Minnesota for 2019. Moment of silence for Marcus Sherrills and others. But the hole at guard is still there. Bringing back Nick Easton, that's not enough. We could use a rookie. Even that isn't enough. Mike Remmers, his $6.3 million cap hit, we have to make that expendable. He's just not worth that. PFF gave Mike Remmers a 59.2 grade. He played on 99% of snaps for Mini last year, which is nice, but there's a lot of better guards. 48 to be precise. Luckily, several of them are free agents. This is the number one priority of free agency, and so I'm going after the best possible guys. Minnesota needs to open a relatively quiet free agent period with a bang here. Now, the big guys, unfortunately, are fixtures. Roger Saffold in Los Angeles, Ramon Foster in Pittsburgh. Both spent long careers with one franchise. It's hard to see the Rams or Steelers not wanting to keep them. So the targets here are scheme-based, not talent-based. That's why I think clearly the best option is Matt Paradis. The Denver Broncos set to enter free agency after five years in the Mile High City, a team captain with 57 starts under his belt. he started every game since 2015, so that includes Gary Kubiak's zone-blocking Super Bowl championship offense. Who wore 61 last year? Brett Jones. Rip that number off him. Give it to this guy. Paradis is a former six-round draft pick. Comes from the same round that Minnesota drafted defensive backs Anton Exum and Kendall James. He spent his first year on the practice squad. Now five years later, he made $2.9 million in 2018. That's roughly the same amount as our Purple paid Brett Jones and Nick Easton. But now he's due for a big payday listed as the 13th best offensive lineman by Pro Football Focus, number two center in the league last year, best free agent interior offensive lineman available. He allowed one sack in 2017 and 2018 combined. I expect a lot of teams to be after this guy, and while the previous relationship with Kubiak is a great option, there are some concerns. First, Matt's coming off a broken fibula in November. It ended his season and he's still in rehab. Also, age, Paradis is 29, got drafted as a 25-year-old, so that sticks out a bit when we look at some other options. For example, Mitch Morse, 26-year-old center from the same draft round that netted our Vikes, Eric Kendricks. The second round of 2015, Kendricks got extended and paid last summer. Now it's Morse's turn this spring. Upgrade from the $1.4 million he made last year. He's coming off a great year to do it. Over 1,500 pass blocking snaps. That's three seasons without allowing a sack. This season, he allowed one pressure per 134 pass blocks. That's basically one pressure every three games. Oh my goodness. He wears number 61 too. If there's one thing I can guarantee about 2019, it's that Brett Jones will not be wearing 61 in purple. You heard that here first. Paradis and Morse, two strong options to start free agency. Now, I'm going to shock some people with the second suggested free agent move. Maybe not because unlike Jason and Miles, I love running backs. I think it's essential that Minnesota replace the vacancy at running back after Latavius Murray and Amir Abdullah-Walk. RB2, who is good enough to split carries with Dalvin Cook or feature as a gadget player that's needed to make this offense more dynamic. Minnie has three running backs on rookie deals, so I'm not interested in grabbing yet another young guy in the draft. Get a veteran who can for now stabilize the group. Draft another running back next year. Add a skill set mini doesn't currently have on the roster. Does that mean go heavy, go power, or go gadget? Just for the fun of it, I say go gadget. Sure, there's a lot of power backs out there from Frank Gore to Adrian Peterson to LeGarrette Blunt, but the gadget guys, again, just more fun. Bring in a free agent who doesn't make you take Cook off the field, who can line up at different positions, in the slot, out wide, a wing back. So what can you do with that? who can you get? I would love Tevin Coleman, the former Falcons running back, but he's probably out of reach, so we have to get invented. Jaquiz Rogers is out there, but how about some of these receivers who can also carry the rock? I'm looking at Tavon Austin. No making excuses for Tavon. He busted after the Rams drafted him eighth overall six years ago. Barely has gotten 500 yards receiving or rushing. But Jarek McKinnon put up similar numbers when in Minnesota, and Austin as a dual threat would make the offense way more dynamic than whatever Laquan Treadwell or Eric Robinson can do. Austin made $7 million last year. He's made $38 million in a six-year career. Many can't hand over a lot of cash for him, but they can offer him a clear role, clear path to touches, both in the backfield and as a third receiver. If somehow Austin goes for another big contract, there are a few cheaper options in the same mold. We've mentioned Jaquiz Rogers. The Anthony Thomas also comes to mind. Of course, when you're talking gadget receiver, there is the giant elephant in the room, the former Viking out there, Cordero Patterson. Flash left Atlanta with a Super Bowl ring and enters free agency after an up-and-down career since being drafted in the first round in 2013. He's not a primary weapon, but he's great returning both punts and kicks. He can run as a second running back. New England used him after their main RBs got injured, and he excels on short catches. That's exactly what we need, but the value for CP, just how to justify what he does and how much you have to pay him, I just don't see it. Call me a hater, but I don't like his fun-loving attitude for what Minnesota is trying to accomplish in 2019. Sure, if Patterson wants to sign for under $2 million, bring him back. I'm not paying any more. So we addressed O.L. We got a gadget player to make the offense more dynamic. What's next? We're going back to the offensive line many should look for two interior linemen in addition to Nick Easton in free agency. That lets them stay flexible in the draft. Now, these aren't the top-tier options anymore. The scheme fits aren't as good. We're just looking for someone to compete with Nick Easton, be a top-level backup at a position where Minnesota has seen a lot of recent injuries. John Miller here, PFF's 25th best guard of 2018, That's still a lot better than Mike Remmers. The Buffalo Bills drafted Miller in the third round of the 2015 draft, seven picks before the Vikings nabbed Daniil Hunter. Miller started day one for the Bills, and the 25-year-old now has started 47 games. He's a solid guard through and through. Our purple could look at B.J. Finney. PFF gave this guy a grade of 71.5, which is the highest grade we've discussed today, but it comes in limited action. Finney played behind Ramon Foster and Marquise Pouncey in Pittsburgh. After three years as a backup, he deserves a shot to start. Minnesota can certainly provide that. And finally, there's Max Garcia. Also a member of the 2015 draft, Denver took Garcia in the fourth round. This is the Gary Kubiak era, so we could see Kubiak go back for one of the guys he drafted. Garcia started all games in 2016 and 2017 for Denver, But 2018 just wasn't his year. He got replaced by Ron Leary. Then when Leary got injured, he started four games before tearing his ACL. So there's a health issue here. We can also be pretty sure though that he fits Kubiak's scheme. These guys aren't world beaters, but they're a solid step in the right direction. All have a lot of experience for their age. And I think a second offensive lineman is just mandatory for attracting one of the top two guys. Take Paradis, for example. He's going to have plenty of interest and offers. What is Minnesota's message going to be? What can they give that other teams can't? Full court press on this guy. They can give him money, a familiar scheme, and most importantly, a leadership role. Say to him, come here, play for the guy you won a Super Bowl under, and be the face, the leader of this new offensive line we're building around you. We have a young interior lineman in Pat Elfline for you to mentor. We have a promising right tackle in Brian O'Neill. We're so invested in offensive line that we're going to sign another lineman, maybe even one of your former teammates in Denver. We're going to draft another young lineman this spring. This unit is going to be your unit. Maybe Paradis will just take the money elsewhere. Maybe he doesn't want to be part of an offensive line rebuild. If not, no sweat off our back. We aren't looking just for offensive talent. We're looking to rebrand the offensive line to exhibit more grit, more heart, more attitude. Now that we finally laid down the groundwork for the offensive fix, I guess it's okay to look at the defense the fourth priority will be cornerback. Nothing major, this is down the list, but we gotta remember this offseason plan doesn't include Marcus Sherrill's, so it's time to replace him with a defensive back who plays defense. Could this be done in the draft? Sure, but our purple just drafted Mike Hughes and Holton Hill. Mackenzie Alexander is still on his first contract. Let's get a veteran to bounce things out, a cheap one. We're looking at best for a guy like Philip Gaines, Bashad Breeland, or Eric Rowe from the Browns, Packers, and Patriots. Gaines, a former third-round pick for Kansas City, then he signed with Buffalo, then Buffalo traded him to Cleveland. Breeland got a big deal from Carolina last year, but failed his physical. That cost him $24 million. He signed in Green Bay instead and got outshined by the rookies there. Rowe drafted by the Eagles then traded to New England he has the skills on special teams but just hasn't played enough to make him more than a depth option so all these guys have some dirt on them which is fine that's expected we're just looking for a guy to be an emergency defensive back I think all three could serve the part maybe even fill in as a rotational piece in Mike Zimmer's defense and that's it Your relatively boring free agent plan reflects the limited cap space Minnesota has, but improves the offensive line, gets the offense a new toy, lets Minnesota stay flexible in the draft. Next podcast, it'll come quick, and it'll be time to put the cap numbers together while others focus on the scouting combine. Back in the swing, so I hope y'all enjoyed your break from football. Thanks for listening, guys, and skull Vikes!